Praise the Lord, everybody. This is Brother J.W. Brand here on this wonderful weekend that we are upon and getting ready to celebrate our risen Lord. Hallelujah. He's risen from the dead and he lives forevermore. Amen. Hallelujah. So before we go any further, I want to take some time to uh, uh, talk to the Lord and ask him to uh, just to uh, uh, lead us as we read his word. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity and the privilege to come here today and to read your word and to uh, talk for a moment about the fact, Lord, that you are alive, that you rose from the dead, and you are forever alive and because of that we can put our faith and trust in you believing and knowing that one day we're going to rise from the dead too hallelujah and uh, you are coming back for a church that is ready that is ready to meet you lord and uh, we are excited about this weekend lord to uh, just to give you praise and to honor you and to glorify you lord because you're worthy hallelujah and we know with whom we serve we know who you are and we thank god that we know that and we know our savior is alive praise the lord hallelujah thank you jesus i just want to tell you jesus thank you for rising up from the dead hallelujah i want to tell you thank you jesus for rising up from the dead, Lord, and giving us hope, hallelujah, down in our soul that one day we would rise up to. Amen and amen and amen. In Jesus' name, God, open our ears. Open our ears to hear. Open our eyes to see, Lord, that you are alive and you live forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And so it's going to be a little bit different today. Uh, we have been uh, uh, on this podcast. We've been talking for a, uh, a little bit uh, about uh, the things that God's ha- God hates. And uh, But we're going to turn a corner for a moment because this is uh, Resurrection Weekend, as I call it. Or Resurrection Sunday is coming uh, on this uh, weekend. But, uh, you know, today a lot of people celebrate or they honor rather, um, I don't know that we would want to call it a celebration, but uh, uh, they honor this day as, uh, as being called Good Friday. And I don't know that uh, we really, if we were back in that day, would have called it a Good Friday because it was a sad day for many people, even the people of God that followed him. Uh, because they did not hear him and did not listen to him when he said he was going to rise up. It just did not, uh, for whatever reason, we find scriptures where Jesus did tell him he was going to rise up, but it just didn't compute. It did not uh, take hold like it needed to. But folks, he did rise from the dead. And we are gra- glad about that because uh, because Jesus is rose from the dead, uh, we have hope. Without Jesus rising from the dead, we would have no hope. We would not have any hope whatsoever. And so uh, what it is that we're going to do for this podcast, I want to just read the story. I want to read this, 
and I want you, I pray that, uh, that you would be able to bear with me for a moment as I read uh, this story uh, in the scripture. And this is the scriptures. We are in Matthew chapter 27, and I'm going to start uh, with verse 11. Now, uh, you know, they've already uh, gone through the situation where Judas Iscariot has uh, betrayed the Lord, and uh, he, the Lord has been arrested, and now he's appearing before the governor. And so, first, uh, Matthew 27 and verses, uh, verse 11, and we will be reading on for quite a few verses, and I want you to get a picture of what that day was like. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Verse 13 says, And then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now at that feast the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had then a notable prisoner called Barnabas. Therefore when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you? Barnabas or Jesus which is called Christ for he knew that for envy they had delivered him or rather jealousy angry jealousy verse 19 when he was set down on the judgment seat his wife sent unto him saying have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barnabas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barnabas! And Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? <coughs> Excuse me. They all say unto him, Let him be crucified! And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? What evil has he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, a big stirring up is what it was, he took water and he washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. 
Then answered all the people and said, His blood be upon us and on our children. Verse 26. Then released he Barnabas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King to the Jews, or King of the Jews. Verse 30. And they spit on him. Can you imagine? And took the reed and smote him on the head. Making fun of him and mocking Jesus. Verse 31. And after that they mocked him. And they took the robe off from him. And put his own raiment on him. And led him away to be crucified. And as they came out they found a man Cyrene. Simon by name. <coughs> Excuse me, folks, but the rain is causing me to have a little bit of cough today. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were come in unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which is spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. Jesus fulfilled scripture. Yes, he did. Jesus was nailed to that cross. Yes, he was. Verse 36, it says, and sitting down, they watched him there. They literally sat down and stared at Jesus. Verse 37, it says, and set up over his head uh, his accusation written, this is the king of the Jews. Then they, uh, then were there two thieves crucified with him. One on the right hand and another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him. And wagging their heads. Can you imagine? The king of the Jews. The king of glory. The king of all of us. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. They're going to wag their heads at him. As if he was a shameful thing to look at. Verse 40. And this is what they said when they were wagging their heads. And saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. 
And likewise also the chief priests mocking him. With the scribes and elders said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross and we will believe him. They were not going to believe him. All the miracles that Jesus did and they still didn't believe him. They were not going to believe him if he came down off that cross. Verse 43. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he uh, uh, will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. He said, if God's going to have him, let him take him down. Let him remove him. Let him deliver him now. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in their teeth. Now for a while, both of these thieves that were crucified with Jesus, one on the right and one on the left, they both went through this same thing and did the same thing as all the others for a while. But we know at the end of the story, one of them made their way to Jesus and turned to the Lord and accepted him as his Lord. But it says that these also which were crucified with him cast lot, or excuse me, cast the same in his teeth. They said the same thing. They were doing the same thing. Verse 45. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness all over the land until the ninth hour. Now this is from noon to three. And it was a darkness that came over the land. It was as if nighttime come over the land for three hours. And don't you know that nature itself, through the power of God Almighty, Nature was explaining and expressing the darkness that was coming over the land because of what they were doing to the Messiah, the King of glory, the Lord of lords. They were crucifying the Messiah. And even uh, the skies began to be dark and gloomy over this very fact. 46, verse 46 says, And about the ninth hour, it's about three o'clock, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You see, the Lord allowed himself to be forsaken. He allowed himself to feel that forsaking for you and I. Sometimes you might feel like you've been forsaken by God. I'm telling you, God has not forsaken you. God loves you. God wants to do everything he can to save you. And he did that very thing for you by hanging on that cross, by being nailed to that cross, by being treated in the manner that he was to save your soul. Hallelujah. Verse 47. Some of them that stood there, when they heard that, said, this man calleth for Elias. 48, verse 48 says, And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on the reed and gave it to him, uh, gave him to drink. In verse 49 it says, The rest said, Let be. Let us see whether Elias come to save him or not. 
Let's just see if God's going to save him or not. He's calling on God. Let's see if the Lord's going to do the same as what he calls to do. I'm here to tell you the Lord did do that. Amen and hallelujah. Just not the way they thought it was going to be done. Verse 49. The rest said, let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Verse, verse 50, it says, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Amen. He yielded up the ghost. And what you were left with was the body, the dead body. And even the Apostle Paul says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You see, when your spirit leaves your body, your body is going to be left behind. But I'll tell you what, you better be ready to meet Jesus. Because Jesus is the one that died for you. He went through all of this for you and I. And we've got to be ready to meet him. Because we're not to the end of the story yet. <clears throat> Verse 51. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent. Let me tell you something, what this is saying to us. If you don't know uh, through study how thick this veil was that separated the Holy, from, Holy of Holies from everybody else and even other priests, only the high priest could go behind there and only once a year. But this veil was extremely thick. Material upon material upon material upon material was added and it was a very, very thick thing that uh, separated us from being able to enter into the presence of God. But it says that what happened was that when Jesus gave up the ghost, the, the veil of the temple was ripped in two from top to the bottom. In other words, God was saying, I'm going to show you what. I'm the one ripping this. I'm the one tearing this veil. I'm the one ripping it from heaven all the way down to the earth. Amen. And this gave us the opportunity, the privilege and the opportunity through the sacrifice that Jesus made to be able, you and I, to go into the presence of the Lord. You have the opportunity to do that, my friend. Each and every one of us have that opportunity. And what a glorious opportunity it is. And so Jesus has given up the ghost. The Bible says the earth even quaked. You see, nature itself is crying out over the death of the Messiah. The sky has turned dark. The earth has shook. Rocks have been ripped in two. The, and now the power of God has come and shown that he's going to rip the veil all the way down from the top to the bottom. God is saying no longer is there this division between human beings and God as long as you accept this Messiah that has died for you. Now we're not done with the story. Verse 52. And the graves were opened. Can you imagine? Graves were opened up. 
And many of the bodies of the saints which slept rose. The bodies came walking up out of the graves. Verse 53. And came out of the graves after his resurrection. That's what happened. Amen. There were people that rose up when Jesus rose up out of that grave. Amen. You see, they wanted Jesus to come down off the cross. They didn't want Jesus to be uh, uh, taken, as it were, to death. No. And when I say they, I'm talking about the devil and all of his demons. But God had a plan. And Jesus died. And he died for you and I. And that gives him power as he rises up from the grave, which we're going to see here. As he rises up from the grave, it gives us power to overcome death, hell, and the grave. Hallelujah. So let's go on and let's read. Let's start back at 52. And the graves were open, and many of the bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. These dead bodies were just walking around and showing everybody, you know what, look, 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 look. Something has happened. Something has taken place. Verse 54, Now when the centurion and they that were with him, centurion is a leader of the soldier band. Uh, usually a centurion would be uh, ruling over about 100 soldiers at once. And it says, And when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. Those soldiers and that centurion understood from everything they saw happen, they understood it was the Son of God. Verse 55, it says, And when women, many women, were there beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee ministering unto him. There were men, women, now you have to understand the culture was different then. And uh, women were not allowed except uh, the mother of uh, Jesus' marriage. She was able to be there. This was her son, but uh, many women stood off in the distance. There was another uh, couple of women there with uh, her, I believe. And so we look at this story and we see that there were many women, many women that followed uh, the Lord, that kept a distance. Uh, you know, in some cultures, even today, uh, some women are kept uh, from the grave or from the uh, funeral celebration. There's some uh, cultures in the East that still do this. But for whatever reason, these women were, uh, they were standing off in the distance. But there were many of them. And they were standing off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him. 56. And among which was Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and uh, Joses, and the mother of Zebedee's children. That's James and John. Verse 57. And when the evening was come, when the evening was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. And he went to Pilate and he begged the body of Jesus. He begged. He said, please. Now this is someone who's able to get into uh, this group of religious leaders. He's taking a risk here. 
He himself is taking a risk to ask for the body of Jesus, but he does. He's a very rich man. And uh, he was also, it says, himself was Jesus' disciple. And so, verse 58, it says, When he went to Pilate, he begged the body of Jesus, and uh, then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And so it was. Verse 59, And when Joseph was taken, uh, had taken the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb. This was a brand new tomb that Joseph of Arimathea had purchased himself, no doubt for himself. And he was going to allow Jesus to be buried in this tomb. And you say, why would anybody want to do such a thing? Well, maybe it was that Joseph of Arimathea had faith that Jesus was not going to have to use that grave for very long or that tomb for very long. And so when he took the body, wrapped it in clean linen, and laid it in his own tomb, verse 60 says, which he had hewn out of the rock. Hmm. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher. Verse 62. And now the next day that followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate. saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days he will rise again. He said, I will rise again. Now, isn't it amazing that these people that would not follow him and would not obey him, they heard what Jesus said. They heard that he had said he was going to rise again, and yet, uh, you know, all of the disciples basically ran away when Jesus uh, was arrested and, and then uh, stood off in the distance and, and Peter denied him and all of these things that took place that was so, uh, uh, you know, giving this impression that people were just devastated that followed him. And somehow it did not uh, compute in their mind. It didn't take place in their hearts when Jesus said he was going to rise again. It just didn't register the same way that it did with some of these folks. Now, of course, they figured that it was a word that was going to be said in order to be deceiving because they said this deceiver said that he was going to rise from the dead. In other words, they didn't believe that he was actually going to do it, but they understood what he said. They understood what he was saying. They understood that he made it clear he was going to rise from the dead on the third day. But they did not believe that because they said he was a deceiver. Now, 64. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away. And say unto the people, he is risen from the dead, so the last error will be worse than the first. In other words, he said, you know, that deceiver, I heard what he said, and 
And and what's going to happen is these these people they're going to come and they're going to steal the body of Jesus and then they're going to, they're going to make it sound like he rose from the dead and then and then things are going to get worse than what it was in the first place because they knew that if Jesus arrived from the dead something was going to happen. It was it was going to be something far different than when he died. It was going to be much more of a situation if if he was uh, if it was said that he rose from the dead. They knew that this was going to be something greater than Jesus being alive and having a great following and then going to the grave and dying. They saw all of these things that Jesus did. All of these things that uh, Jesus was able to do by the power of God, healing people, uh, opening blinded eyes and raising up the dead. He raised Lazarus, who had been in the grave, I believe, uh, on the fourth day. And, 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 and the sister, she said, nah, no, you know, he's going to be stinking by now. But Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. And so uh, all of these things that Jesus did, it created a mass following. Jesus didn't follow the masses. The masses followed him. But what they were saying here was, you saw all the people that were following him. You saw what was going on. You saw how these people just thronged around him. Don't you know that if it's said that he rose from the dead, it's going to be worse? Things are going to get much, much worse. Oh, don't you know that's the truth? Millions and millions of people have been saved over the years since Jesus rose from the dead. <laughs> And I be in one of them. Praise the Lord. Now verse 65. It says, Pilate said unto them, Ye have a watch. Go your way. Make it as sure as you can. Verse 66. So they went. And they made the sepulcher sure, sealing a stone and setting a watch. Now listen to chapter 28. In the end of the Sabbath, which is Saturday, and it began to dawn toward the first day of the week. Hallelujah. Came Mary Magdalene, another Mary, to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment was white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. Scared the living daylights out of them. Verse 5. And the angel of the Lord answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. Verse 6. He is not here. He is risen. And he said, Come! See the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goes before you into Galilee. And there shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. And did running, did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples. Behold, Jesus met them and sang, All hail! And they came and beheld him by the feet and worshipped him. And then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go and tell my brethren 
that they go into Galilee and there shall they see me. Folks, Jesus rose from the dead and he is alive forever and you have the privilege and the opportunity to know him even today. Now, I do want to say this and I'm going to say this um, because there are a lot of naysayers out there. There are many folks that will say that never happened. There are still stories within Jewish communities, especially in Israel, that um, uh, Jesus did not rise from the dead. Uh, some of them said, oh, Jesus never died in the first place, and just so many different things. But I got news for you. Jesus did rise from the dead. Absolutely. And we have proof. There's proof right here in the Word of God that you will find where uh, people saw Jesus. That, uh, you know, that it, it, he was alive. And, and, and there were over 500 people at the same time that saw Jesus alive. All at the same time. It is an astounding account of all the things that Jesus did after he rose from the dead. The many, many times that he appeared and showed people that he was alive. Amen. Now, many people he didn't appear to. But I got news for you. Just because he didn't appear to everybody don't mean he's not alive. Because he is alive. You say, how can you be so absolutely 100% certain that Jesus is alive. <laughs> I'm so glad you asked that because I can tell you this. The reason I know that Jesus is alive is because he is inside of my soul. Hallelujah. You see, my friend, when you're baptized with that Holy Ghost, that is the spirit of Jesus Christ. The very ghost of the Lord himself come and live inside of you. There is but one spirit. There is but one spirit. There is only one spirit of the living God. It dwelt in the body of Jesus. And Jesus, at one point after walking, after having risen from the dead, he walked among us for 40 days. And appeared to many people. Now you ain't going to get 500 people at one time. All telling a lie and being able. Uh, willing. Uh, willing to put their life on the line over it. That's not going to happen. Now you might get two or three to do that. You might even get half a dozen to do that. But you're not going to get over 500 people doing that. That's not going to happen. And that's the reason why that you have uh, uh, the Lord doing exactly that, appearing to over 500 people because he wanted to make sure that people understood, look, I am really one that rose from the dead just like I said I was going to do. He did it, folks. But you see, a lot of people don't understand this Holy Ghost thing. Now, I don't mean to be disrespectful. I'm not trying to be disrespectful at all. At all. But I would like you uh, to bear with me for just a moment as I finish this up. And I'm going to go to Galatians chapter 4. 
Galatians chapter 4. And this is a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul who met Jesus. Jesus had died, rose again. And, and, and the Apostle Paul was one, his name was Saul uh, before he became Paul. And he persecuted the church. He persecuted him. He, he threw people in jail. He watched Stephen be stoned to death and he gave his approval on it and all of these things that he did. But that man, when he met Jesus, he turned around and started going the other direction and started going towards Jesus. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus and everything changed for Saul. Even his name was changed to Paul. Because when you come in contact with Jesus... Things change. Why? Because he's the living Lord. He's alive forevermore. There's not anything you can do to change that. There's too many witnesses on this earth now. Oh, yes. You got way more than 500 witnesses telling you he's alive now. And then he lives in their soul. I'd like to take you to Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. It says, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman and made under the law. Amen. Verse 5. To redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. You want to be a part of a family? God wants to adopt you. You know who you're going to be called by? You're going to be called by Jesus. You're going to be called by the name of Jesus. You're going to be his son. You're going to be his daughter. You're going to be a child of his if you will give yourself to the Lord. He came to redeem you. He paid a price with his life. In verse 6 it says, And because ye are sons and, and you are daughters, they don't leave the daughters out, God has sent forth the Spirit. That's a capital S, folks. The Spirit capital X folks the spirit capital S meaning the spirit of God but what it says is and because your sons God has sent forth the spirit of his son capital S son capital S son capital S son this ain't just any son it's a son of God and God sent his spirit the son of his spirit into your hearts crying Abba Father. You know when that happens? When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the spirit of God's son comes into your life. The Bible says there is but one spirit. There's not two spirits. There's not three spirits. I heard somebody say the other day, they, they don't even know the word of God. You know that they don't when they say foolish things like this. And they said, well, uh, the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God are two different spirits. No, they're not. Because the Bible says there is but one Spirit. There is not two spirits. There's not three spirits. No, there's one Spirit. And we are baptized into the body by that one Spirit. And that Spirit, God said, is the Spirit of His own Son down in your soul. So when you get baptized with the Holy Ghost, you literally got like the ghost of Jesus Walked up in your soul. The spirit of God himself. Don't you know that's the same spirit that inhabited the body of Jesus? Amen. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Don't you know? The spirit of God dwelt in Jesus. 
And this is how we can say that as the scripture says that God shed his blood. How is that even possible? It was possible when Jesus was on the cross. Because God was in, in Christ Jesus reconciling the world himself. And then he walked, raised up from the dead. And walked 40 days showing himself to people. Proving himself over and over and over that he was alive. And don't you know, even, even the bodies of people that have been buried, they rose up and they testified too to it simply by showing themselves to people. Don't you know, <coughs> those people, they went and they showed themselves to people that would know who they were. And all of these things took place to prove that Jesus rose from the dead. But my friend, there came a point after 40 days, Jesus was going to ascend up into heaven. And then he was going to send back the Holy Ghost. And he told those uh, disciples that were there right before he ascended. He said, now, I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to wait there. I want you to tarry there. He said, because you're going to be endued with power from on high. That's in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. You're going to be endued with power from on high. You're going to be endued with power from on high. You're going to be endued with the power of the Son of God coming into your soul. When you're baptized with that Holy Ghost and fire. Now I know that there's plenty of people out there. I know there are many, many theologians out there that just want to twist up one side and down the other what I just said. And you know you do. You know that you want to twist up everything I just said. Why? Because you don't want to follow the Bible. But I'm going to follow that Bible and what that Bible says. Amen. And so Jesus, folks... He did go to the cross. Yes, he did. He was nailed to that cross. Yes, he was. And his blood that is sinless. He created nothing in his life whatsoever that would uh, even give you a story, uh, a word, or a thought. There was nothing that he did that would cause us to look any other direction but to the fact that Jesus was holy. There was nothing that was done. Nothing that was said out of line. Jesus had no guile in his mouth. Do you know that that means there was no trickery in his mouth? None. Not one word of trickery came out of the mouth of Jesus. There was nothing that Jesus would be able to create to try to, uh, you know, hypnotize the folks. Nothing that he did of the sort to try to make them believe something that wasn't true. No. The fact that people believed and the fact that people trusted and the fact that people saw, that, that just uh, you know, encouraged them all the more. Once they saw him rise from the dead, you say, well, why? Why was it that when he died, they, they, they all ran and they, and, they, and they turned on Jesus and all? Listen. They were human just like you and I. It was hard for them to face the fact that Jesus had to die. It was hard to face the fact that Jesus had to literally go through what he did. That he had to be literally nailed to a cross. That he had to literally have a crown of thorns. Can you imagine the thorns being pressed into his head and the blood running down his face and into his eyes? Can you imagine? And he was known to them to be the king of the Jews. And yet he's going to go through such a horrible death. 
Such a shameful thing it was to be nailed to the cross, especially among thieves. And so, yes, it was hard for them. They had a moment of humanity. Have you ever had a moment of humanity? Are you going to sit there and lie and say you ain't never had no moment of humanity? You say, well, if I saw a miracle, I would never blah, 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 blah. Nonsense. You see miracles every day. That sun comes up every single day. That moon comes up at night every day. Those stars shine. God sends rain to the earth to give us water. God has supplied plenty of food for us. Don't tell me you haven't seen miracles of God. And yet you still do not believe. You say, I thought you were talking to people on this podcast that, that are supposed to be Christian. You know how many people that claim to be Christian that don't really believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead? Do you know there's people that claim to be Christian that actually uh, do not believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Well, well I got a word for you. You need to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because when you get the Son of God down inside of you, when you get the Spirit of Jesus that God sent, He sent the Spirit of His Son, and we cry out, Abba, Father. Don't you know people begin to speak in tongues? They glorified God. Read in the book of Acts, chapter 2. They were glorifying God in a language they didn't know and just giving Him praise and glory and honor. You see. And so when Jesus was standing there in chapter 1 of the book of Acts and, and verse 8, and he told him, he said, now I want you to go tarry. He said, but you're going to be endued with power from on high. And they had to wait. They did what Jesus said and they obeyed him and they went and they waited. And they didn't just sit there twiddling their thumbs and playing cards or playing chess or whatever else they had available back then. No, they did not. They're, they were in one mind and one accord, the Bible says. You, you could see there was uh, times of prayer and all, all of these different things, the word going forth and, and one thing after another. But they were literally put to such a strength and power and anointing after having seen Jesus that every last one of the apostles would be willing to die the death. Why? Because they saw after having struggled with their humanity after their Messiah dies, struggling with their humanity. You know, sometimes Christians, and I'm talking about people that really, really trust the Lord, really believe in the Lord and really have faith in the Lord, and they've been baptized with the Holy Ghost and all of those things. And something tragic happens. Maybe somebody uh, dies and in, in, uh, they're not expecting it. You know, especially those times that people pass away and you're not expecting it and and you know that they were right with the lord but something tragic happens maybe an accident or whatever the case may be but they were ready to meet god you don't think that those people don't go through their human emotions and struggle through their humanity <clears throat> they certainly will they certainly can and they certainly will but the bible says that our grief is not like the grief of everybody else because we know that there's a hope. So yes, they're going to have a grief that is unlike what the world experiences because when the world grieves, they don't really look to the ones that have died, their loved ones that have died, to have hope of seeing them one day. Don't you want to have hope of seeing your loved ones one day? Won't you be saved yourself? Won't you accept the Lord yourself? Won't you uh, do everything you can now, I don't mean that it's within your power, 
but doing everything that you can, living for God and showing what Jesus can do for you. This is something that each and every one of us, as we follow the Lord Jesus Christ, we're called to do, to be an example of Jesus Christ to the world. And that way, it's giving us, a, giving your families and, and your neighbors and your friends an opportunity to see Jesus in action through you with his spirit inside of you. And, and Jesus is working inside of you to reach the world through you, through your body, through your words, through your actions, where you go, what you do. That's why it's so important to live a holy life. Because this body is not yours. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19 says. You were bought with a price. And Jesus paid this price right here in this story. He loves you. He loves me. And he wants us to be saved. This is a most wonderful weekend. Every year that comes when Christians all over the world celebrate the risen Lord. It's a wonderful time. It's an exciting time. And actually, I would say, you know, I, I love Christmas time. I really do. But do you know that Christ, uh, Christmas, even though some people may celebrate it in more of a um, excited fashion and all of that and all of the things that people can uh, get trapped in and, and that kind of thing and, and, and remove uh, themselves from the reason why they celebrate it. And I'm talking about Christians. The world sometimes celebrate it and don't have nothing to do with Jesus. And they have a worldly way of doing that. But I'm talking about Christians that celebrate it. Sometimes they get caught up in those worldly things themselves. And they forget the reason why that some folks, I'm not saying everybody celebrates Christmas, but uh, the folks that do, that claim to be Christians, they, uh, you know, they say that their reason for doing so is to uh, honor and celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, which, you know, I'm not here to discuss uh, against it or for it or anything. You know, you're going to have to be moved by uh, the convictions of your heart about those things. But the bottom line is that this time, now I call it Resurrection Sunday. I don't use the word Easter because it has a very worldly uh, connotation to it with all kinds of things. Um, but Resurrection Sunday because it focuses on what it's really about. Because if Jesus had not rose from the dead, folks, we don't have a church. And not only do we not have a church, but we don't even have eternal life promised to us. Because we, but because we know that he has risen, we know we have eternal life. We have that assurance down in our soul. And, and those of us who have been baptized with the Holy Ghost, there is more of an assurance than ever. That yes, the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ lives inside of us. As God has sent the Spirit of His Son into us. Crying, Abba, Father, there is only but one Spirit. And that is the Spirit of the Almighty God. In Christ. And Jesus said, I would be in you. So the Lord is reaching. Now today. Even now today. This very moment. He wants you to say, look. Lord, I know that you're alive. I know you're real. It's a faith thing, believing and knowing that God is alive forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. He's never going to die. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And because of that, you and I have 
the absolute, complete, and total promise that we're going to live forever. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to live forever and eternity with Jesus if you put your faith and trust in him. Amen. But Jesus, he just doesn't leave us in a lurch. No. The Lord don't do that. He, he even said that he, he can't send the comforter until he goes away. So he went away and came back. That Holy Ghost is there. It's, it's available to you. It's available to me. It's available to anybody. The Spirit of God's Son wants to come inside of you and live inside of you. Because then you will have the power to overcome death, hell, and the grave yourself. Because Jesus is inside of you. And because he was able to raise himself up, he's going to raise you up. Woo! <laughs> Glory to God! Hallelujah! I'm excited about that. And so, this weekend, we're going to celebrate Resurrection Sunday. Now we have our uh, worship service for our ministry, uh, the Eunuch Preacher Ministry. Uh, that is tomorrow um, on the Sabbath. We, we have our, our worship services. and uh, But on Sundays, uh, on Easter Sundays, excuse me, we do... Uh, visit and have visited uh, various Oneness Pentecostal churches and enjoying uh, those services. And so I'm excited about that. I am so thrilled and excited about that. We are going to be going to a Pentecostal church uh, in Houston and having a wonderful time in the Lord, excited about what God's going to do. Uh, there's going to be a choir singing and all these things that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, just celebrating the risen Lord celebrating the risen Lord because he is risen, folks. He's not in that grave anymore. He is not in that grave any longer. And no one has ever found his body. And I got news for you. Ain't nobody going to find him neither. Hallelujah. You're not going to find Jesus' body laying nowhere. Uh-uh. Didn't they find the mummy? I don't know. Was that, uh, I think it was King Tut, maybe? I don't know. I don't remember what my, I think it was King Tut. I'm not. I'm not really sure. If I said that wrong, then my apologies. But anyway, I know they found a mummy, and they were running that mummy. It came in, uh, I believe, in the United States. I don't remember exactly when it was, but it wasn't a whole long time ago, a few years ago, and it was going to different places where people could view it and all that kind of thing. And uh, it's an amazing thing that they were able to take that body and wrap it up like they did, and it was so preserved as it was. But I got, I, I got some exciting news. You're never, ever, ever, ever going to find the body of Jesus. Never. And it's not because of some sinister thing, like somebody, you know, uh, chopped it all up or crushed it all up or whatever the case is. No. You ain't going to find it because he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. Yes, he did. And he lives forevermore. So what are you going to do? What's your decision? Let me ask you something. Are you a Christian that's one of these naysayers and you don't really want to tell people that you don't believe that Jesus really rose from the dead? I have heard of people that have actually said those words. They really, I've even seen where there was a 
pastor that was admitting that he was an atheist, but he stayed in the pulpit. What kind of nonsense is this? What kind of insane thing is going on now in these pulpits that are across our nation and across the world? You've got to preach Jesus and him crucified, but yet you, uh, and buried. He lived a sinless life. And he did uh, uh, go through uh, all of those things that we just read. All of the torture, all of the torment. And he was nailed to that cross. And yes, all of those things that were done, they fulfilled prophecy. Whether you want to call it a lie or not. Doesn't matter what you say. But I don't understand why some of these folks are calling themselves Christian if they don't even believe, some of them, that Jesus rose from the dead or that he didn't. Did or didn't. You know, you got people that literally, they'll say, oh, I don't believe that really happened. Well, why are you calling yourself a Christian then? Why don't you go do something else? Why don't you call yourself something else? Don't call yourself a Christian. Well, what are you, what are you doing that for? Why are you saying that you're following Jesus if you don't even believe he rose from the dead? It makes no sense. But for those that you made up your mind, hallelujah, that you know, that you know, that you know, oh, hallelujah, you know that you know down in your soul that Jesus rose from the dead. Yes, he did. Hallelujah. I encourage you to go to your house of worship, wherever that may be, and when you get there on Sunday, give God some praise. Hallelujah. Give him praise like he ain't never done before. Give God some praise like he ain't never done before. Hallelujah. Because he's worthy. Amen. Because one of these days, Jesus is going to come back for those that believe in him. That trust in what this Bible said. You can believe it. Or you can ignore it. But I'm going to tell you what. You ignore the truth of the resurrection of Jesus. You're not going to be able to ignore the consequences that are going to come for such a foolish decision. You're going to have to make up your mind that uh, <clears throat> Jesus did rise from the dead. You say, well, I don't want to. I'm not ever going to do that. Maybe, maybe you're an atheist and you just happen to pop on this podcast now i don't know uh, god maybe had sent you here for you to hear and you know and i got one more word to say before we i said we were going to wrap this up here pretty soon but there's some people that will take the different gospels and the story of jesus resurrection and they will see differences between those stories in the gospels and they will try to use that as an example to say that the word of god is fallible but I got news for you. Again, newsflash. Hello! <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. You see, the Lord has a reason why he does everything he do. The Lord has a reason why he allowed that to be like that. And when you study that, it's an exciting thing to see all those different parts turning because it lets you to know when you get into the real study of the word of God that that actually is what you needed to hear in the first place. All the different parts turning. 
to tell the story of the resurrected Lord. Amen. Now I got time to go into all that. And no, I'm not ignoring it. I'm not pushing it aside. But it's time to end this podcast. And with that, I want to encourage you. Now, I'm, I'm ready to go. Now, I don't know if I'm going to even make it to Sunday. I mean, I don't know when my last day on this earth is. Do you? I don't know when my last day is. And so if I make it, hallelujah. If I don't, then I'm going to be shouting over there in glory. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Because I have that hope. I have that hope. I have that hope. I have the spirit of his son, God's son, down in my soul. I've got that Holy Ghost down deep in my soul. God baptized me with the Holy Ghost when I was 16 years old. I spoke in tongues. And God is the one that brought them. I didn't bring those tongues on. God's the one that brought them. Amen. And that's available to you. It's available to anybody. If you read Acts chapter 2 and verse 39, you will find out it's available to anybody. It wasn't just available to those folks. It was as many as the Lord our God shall call. Is he calling you? I'll tell you right now, Jesus is calling you. Have you maybe just not gone that far? All right? Maybe it is you just haven't gone that far. Maybe you just have not gone far enough to believe that you could be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Won't you consider it? Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing for you to be baptized with the Holy Ghost on Resurrection Sunday? What a wonderful thing! Hallelujah! Oh my God, that would be so wonderful, Lord, for you to do this this weekend for so many people that are listening today, Jesus. In the name of the Lord, let it be so. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I pray that some of you that are, uh, you know, you if you attend, let me tell you something. If you intend in a church that says that this Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues is of the devil, you ain't never going to get the Holy Ghost in those churches. Because, you know, if you look at some of the things that Jesus did, sometimes when people wouldn't have faith, he just walk off and dust, he just dust his feet off and say, I'm done with this, I'm moving on. You see, because Jesus goes where there's faith. That's where he goes, that's where he works. He works in faith. You got faith to believe God will baptize you with the Holy Ghost. I got faith that God can baptize you with the Holy Ghost with the Spirit of His Son, as the book of uh, Galatians says. And see, that was a word that was given to the Galatian people. They had already been baptized with the Holy Ghost. You know, that, and that's the thing that a lot of folk don't understand. These churches that were established, these people had been baptized with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. And these letters are geared to them uh, to, to help them to grow and to learn uh, you know, to grow in the Lord, learn the word of God and grow in the Lord. And so when you hear those words coming from those letters that was preserved for us to hear, that excites me. It thrills me to know that God sent his son into our hearts. Do you know what that means when it says he sends, sent it into our hearts? Well, he's already speaking to the Galatians in that manner because they had already received the Holy Ghost. But if you've not received the Holy Ghost, I want to encourage you to allow the Spirit of God's Son to take residence in your soul. You say, well, you know, the Spirit of God just came in me because I had faith in Jesus. Listen, there's more to it. Oh, yes, there's more to it. The Lord wants so much more for you. He wants you to be baptized with that Holy Ghost. Baptized! 
with the spirit of his son. Amen. And so with that said, I just pray that y'all will enjoy your Resurrection Sunday. Uh, if you are out and about and maybe you're going on somewhere to, um, you know, some people take the time to uh, set aside some time to go to church on Friday evening. And so if you're off getting ready to go do that, then may the Lord keep you and bless you on your travel uh, there. And maybe you're already there and you're going to listen to this podcast uh, later on, of course, we pre-record ours. And, uh, you know, once we get it set up, you might be able to listen to it tomorrow while we're in church having a good old time. And um, so, again, I would like to encourage you to look at our podcast, uh, not a podcast, excuse me, uh, our worship services, the Eunuch Preacher uh, Ministry, our worship services. You find that on YouTube, and it is the Eunuch Preacher. Three different words. They're all uh, separate when you type it in. Uh, capital word, uh, capital letters is what it is. And Eunuch is spelled E-U-N-U-C-H. Amen. The Eunuch Preacher. So God bless you. And may you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Amen.